It's so wonderful to be invited here. I feel the honour to share on your 26th anniversary. You know, it's such a joy. The moment I walk into this place, I was telling my wife, it's such a nice place. And when I walk in, the first people that I met, those are ushering, you're an excellent hospitality team that you have. You make me feel so welcome. And they ushered me all the way to meet Brother Richard and later on Pastor Ruel. And I thought, you have done such a tremendous, you know, uh, welcoming and make us feel so welcome and warmth in this place. I'm just feeling at home right here. All right, thank you so much. And I believe God is going to bless all of you for not just these 26 years, but many, many more years to come. And I believe God is going to do that. And this morning, without much delay, I just want to share with you, all right, from the team that you have, love God, love the family and the community. And I think it's a very important uh, truth that we learn together in this journey. Let us ask God to open our heart and mind to be receptive to His Word today. Father, we thank You once again for Your love, Your goodness. Lord, even walk into this place, I just sense Your presence here. I just sense, oh God, that there's love, that is such a, a relationship that the people have together in this place. That, Lord, I'm encouraged, oh God, because Your presence is right here in their worship, in their fellowship, and Lord, there's so much joy in this place. And I pray, Father, that you will continue to do this mighty work. Today, Lord, as your servant minister your word, I ask for an open heart, open mind, and there will be the receptive heart to receive your word and responsive heart to respond to what you're saying to us. So, Father, I ask for your blessing and guidance upon us this morning. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me just try this out. Okay, good. The text I'm going to share with us is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 25. Now, when I, I remember many years ago, I think 20 or 30 years ago, when I first preached in the Philippines, and uh, one of the pastors invited me to preach in this, I think it was Faith Assembly in Iloilo. And I was preaching the night meeting, and I was getting all carried out, preaching, preaching, preaching. And then I realized that I've passed almost one hour. And the people would just say, carry on. You know? And I was just, okay, continue preaching another half an hour, one and a half hour. But this morning, I'm not going to do that uh, because I checked with Pastor Ruel. It's, it's probably 45, 40 minutes. So I'm going to keep to that. All right, so I'm going to dive in to the Word of God this moment and uh, share with you from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, the very first thing in this text itself <clears throat> is that in our mind, Sometimes we ask, why did God give the commandment to Israelites? You know, oftentimes we dive straight and say it's because they must obey law, you know, and there must be order. You know, everyone, uh, you either like to have, you know, law or you dislike it because you become very restrictive. And some people think that, well, I don't, I don't become a Christian because there's too many laws to obey and I cannot do a lot of things. Uh, it's not too true, all right? Now, I want us to understand when the law was given, first of all, it was given to Israel, God gave to Israel. And uh, His purpose was to help them, right? That they will know God, they will obey and to fear God. Let me very quickly just explain this to you. Now, in chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now this is the commandment 
the statutes and the rule that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That's from Moses saying to the people. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all the statutes and His commandments, which I, commanded, which I command you, all the days of your life that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, these three verses, Moses repeated three times, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. You know, one of the things that he reminded people who this God is, of course, in the back of the mind, they have gone through the Red Sea, they have seen the ten plagues, you know, how God has actually defeated the gods of, of Egypt. And here now, the people are reminded of who this God is once again. It's so important that we need to know God. And in verse 3, he reminded the people, he said, hear. Now, the word hear is to listen with great attention. Pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. And so he reminded them, it's so important to give full attention to the command, to the statute, to the Lord of God. And you can know, <clears throat> you see, you can know God through creations. In fact, Psalms 19 says that. All right, heavens declare the glory of God and all the firmaments, and then you talk about the trees and all that, that's all the sun. Now, you can look around, and I do not know, you know, in the, I went to the Philippines several times. I lived in the Philippines for nine months studying in the seminary, and that's where I got to know Pastor Jerome and Pastor Gloria, all right, and when we were classmates, actually. And that was in 1988, so you know how long that was. All right. And so we were studying there, and I, that's where I got to know them. One of the things I love about Baguio is I, I love sitting there and, and sometimes taking time, you know, just giving thanks to God, seeing the beautiful creations. There was one day I was so down and I was so discouraged, and, uh, and I was sitting right there, and then suddenly I realized how huge the mountain is, and I was just a tiny little spot that I don't think the other side of the mountain can see me, but God saw me, and He's able to minister to me. And so I felt so encouraged. You see, creation itself tells you there's a God. But who is this God? You won't know. All right? And some people, they say, well, I prayed and uh, God answered my prayer. Or some people say, you know, I was healed of miraculous, you know, leave from some sickness. But because someone prayed for them, or they prayed, they called the name of God. But who is this God? All right? Some people do not know. But the psalmist in the second part of Psalms talk about the law of the Lord. And in the end of the psalm, the psalmist says, let the meditations, let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Now, in that context, it's very similar to what God spoke to Joshua. Alright, remember he says that, do not let this word of, let this, um, do not let this word of the law depart from you. Alright, in our word, meditate on it day and night. There's the area of memorizing the Word of God, area of speaking the Word of God. And so the meditations and the Word of our mouth must come from the Word of God, that we continue to learn them and, 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 and share them and live out the Word of God. And so, I want to say this, what's so good if a surgeon, alright, he has excellent knowledge of surgery, but he's never performed or an operation on any patient. 
What's so good if a chef, I know some of you watch Master Chef and all this, all right, you, you learn to cook, you know. And what's so good if somebody has all the knowledge about cooking, but I've never cooked a meal? But what's so good about Christian who knows the Bible very well, but I've never obeyed or practiced what the Word of God is saying? You see, knowing is only in the knowledge that we know. And that's where God reminds them that you know the commandment. You need to know. And in knowing, you must obey. You must do. You see, that's very important. It's correlated. You cannot just have knowledge without practice. You cannot just know and do not do anything. And that's how little you know about God. So, in knowing, you need to obey God. And that's why it reminds them in verse 1 that you may do them. All right, and the second thing he says that you may fear the Lord your God. Now, in knowing the commandment, because God requires, in Deuteronomy he says, you know, he says that God says that I'm holy and you must be holy. All right, because in the book, in the, the text of Deuteronomy, it talks about the way you worship God, the way you serve God, the way you live a community life. And keep in mind, that the law was given so that you live according to the way God wants you to live. And so by practicing it, you will know who God is and you will fear God. What does it mean to fear God? To reverence God. Now, if you really reverence God, you'll be careful to the way you live. And so it all comes together. All right? Because some people say, I want to learn how to fear the Lord. But then go back to the Word of God. And you obey the Word of God. If you fear God, you obey Him. And I thought it's very relevant for us as an introductory remark here that, you know, this one I've come to preach in this church called the living word. All right. Now, the Bible must be lived out of our life. And the fellowship itself, I was thinking, you know, it's the living word fellowship. First thing is the, my fellowship with the word. The word is God. And the word was with God in John. All right. So let's let me just move on. All right, now, in John 1, 1, I just mentioned this. All right, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And verse 14 then says that the Word became flesh and it lived among us, that we may see the glory of God, the Father. And so when Jesus came, the Word became flesh. He lived among us that we may see Him, that we may see God. And so the living Word here is that when you live out the Word, people see who God is. Alright, and so the same thing is what did Jesus said about himself. Now just two verses very quickly. <clears throat> it was verse 7 in John 14, verse 7 and 9. Now Jesus says that he come and he do what the Father has commanded him to do. You see, it's very important for us to recognize that Jesus came. He he do what the Father commanded him to do. That's why in John 14, verse 7 and 9, he said that if you have known me, you know the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You know, I often ask myself this question. I'm a Christian. Would people, how do people know God? Can they see me and see the Father? Can they, if I'm speaking, can they know me? And through knowing me, they know God. So who am I pointing people to? And I think it's very important for us as Christians. We are living word. I'm also a living word. I'm part of your fellowship. All right? Because we need to live out the word of God. All right? So, Jesus showed to us 
that he came to do as the Father commanded him. Even the Son of God did that. What about us this morning? So let me just move on into Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 6. Verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, what did God command them to do? I think it's a very important part. The first commandment, earlier it says, Hear, O Israel, to obey, right? Then now he says that here again, God repeated this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, in the read in English, basically you don't see the, you know, a, very, a lot of significance here. Now, but here it says the Lord our God, God Elohim, is the same word used in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The word in Hebrew is a plural word, all right, in the singular form. All right, so it's like there, there's more than one person involved in this. All right, so of course, make it simple. Today we call that, we understand that God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit is the Trinity. And then he says that Lord is one. Now this word one, there's another Hebrew word that was used for one, means uniquely one. But in this case, again, it's a plural, you know, uh, plural word that is in the unite, unite, unite form, unique form. What it means is, for example, he used it, all right, for example, when God created the heaven, uh, the day and night, all right, and then he says the first day. All right, or day one. Actually, in the Hebrew, it should be day one. All right, and the word one, again, is day make of the morning and the evening. Right? Light and darkness, it become day one. So the combinations of day and night all right, become one whole day. All right, so it's a plural, but yes, singular. Again, he used this when God created the man and woman. And he says to them, that the man shall leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two shall become one. And the two become one. The same you know, Hebrew word that is used. Alright, so the two to one. Alright, so you understand from here is that there is a, something that God is communicating to them. Moses is telling them, the Lord your God, alright, it's not just singular in one sense, that He's only one God, but there are more. There are three persons in the Godhead itself, or we call the Trinity. Now, why is this important? Because in today's context, some people believe there are many gods. All right? Some people that believe there's only one God. And so he appears himself as the Father, he appears himself as the Son, he appears himself as the Holy Spirit. But that's wrong teaching because in the John Gospel, if you study the book of John Gospel, Jesus const, con, you know, constantly mentioned about the Son himself, the Father. He mentioned about sending the Holy Spirit. All right? So there are three persons in this whole Godhead working together. Alright, so keep that in mind. So, in, in other words, God is unique in Himself. You cannot fabricate God. You cannot create a, a, a statue and say, this is God. How are you going to create a statue and say that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? You can't. How are you going to explain that? You can't. Alright? Because there's no way except in human form, we say that we have a soul, body, and spirit in us. But can you split them? You can't. Can you explain them? You can't. So there's no way God is such that we cannot. He's unique. So you cannot create another God, but you, this is the unique God that we're worshipping. So this is very fundamental. Therefore, when He gave the law, He's guiding us to say, just understand this. Right? It's unique. The second thing that God mentioned to them, so you, you love God, singular, 
with single-hearted and your wholeheartedness. Because verse 5 says, You love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Alright, so in other words, wholeheartedly, you love God. How do you love God wholeheartedly? Earlier, the children cited, you know, 1 John 1, uh, 4, verse 19. He says, we love Him because He first loved us. How did God first love us? He loved us completely. I'm going to share this with you. In the beginning, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. God is love. The Father is love, Son is love, Holy Spirit is love. Now, in that relationship of love, love cannot be contained. Love must be shared. God created human beings to share the love with them. I often talk to couples or even sharing this, that why do husband and wife have children? It's not just for the sexual pressure, but because they love one another and say, we want to share this love with someone. And as someone is our own flesh and blood, our children, we share that love with them. How do we learn it from? Because from the beginning, the way God created us. So I want you to know this morning that you're in this world by no coincidence because God loves you and you're created out of love. And so because of that, He first loved us and we are able to love Him. And so... So we call to love God a single heart because He's a unique God and wholeheartedly because there's no other God that we will worship. So how do you love God? How do we love God? Jesus point to us the very first way to love God is John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Earlier, Jesus, God says that you obey Him, right? You do what He says. And so, then He says to love the Lord your God with all your whole heart. And what does it mean now? To love God means to obey His commandment, to do what He says. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And He says, whoever keep my commandments, Jesus says, whoever keep my commandments, Keep them, and it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So in that doing or obeying God's commandment, we actually love God. So the very first thing to love God is to obey him, because Jesus taught this to us. And verse 4, 24, he says that whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sends me. So if you do not love me, you don't keep my commandment. So how do you prove your love for God? It's by obedience, obeying His word. Now it's very interesting, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. When he was being asked about the greatest commandment, and Jesus stood up and he said this, and he recited exactly in verse 4 and 5. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Thou shalt not have, uh, sorry, and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. But he added this, with all your mind and with all your strength. Then he added, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, so that was what Jesus said. 
Because love, as I mentioned, cannot be contained. It must be shared. And therefore, this whole commandment of loving God, if you love God and the way God loves you because His love must overflow to share with you, therefore, when you love God, the loving of others come naturally. Now, some of us say, well, it's not easy to love people. And I just agree with you. Some people are just so difficult to love. All right, as a pastor for so many years, let me tell you, I faced all this. All right. But then how do you love them? Now, one of the easiest things to love people, to start loving people, is don't think about negative things. Think about something good that I can do for the person. And I think that will help a lot. All right. So even people who doesn't like me, I'll think of, how, what, is there one thing I can do for this person? I will do a good thing for you. All right. And then we establish a friendship. And then from there, I believe we can learn how to share our love for them. All right. Of course, the other thing is to pray for them. <laughs> don't forget. All right. Yeah. So, and here was what Jesus told them, you love your neighbor. And so the question often we ask, you know, who is my neighbor? All right. Of course, I'm going to pick up from Luke chapter 10, verse 29 to 37. Just to cut the story short, because many of you know the story of Good Samaritan. All right, here was a story about a man who came down from Jerusalem towards Jericho and he was beaten up by teeth, he was clobbered up, he was badly injured, dying on the street. And here come a priest. And suddenly this man, he avoided him and he walked past. The Levite walked past and then came a Samaritan. He attended to him and he cared for him. Now, the Levite and the priest, they know the law. They know the law. They know, they recite Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But when he saw the Samaritan, saw the man dying on the street, they just walked past, do nothing. And then here comes the Samaritan. He took care of this man. And Jesus asked the question at the end of the story, is which of these, you know, is a neighbor? Of course, the answer is clear. But the, the lawyer who asked the question refused to say the Samaritan. He said the man who showed mercy to this dying man, right? He didn't even want to mention the word Samaritan. Because he's so embarrassed that many times we know the law and we don't practice it. We know the word of God, we do not practice it. We just bypass people. Or we just upset with them, we just ignore them and do no, no good to them as well. All right? But the, the word of God is teaching us we love God. The only way people know God is through the way we live. You if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. And so if you love God, we do that. And so in the story itself, I, I just want to make a very simple summary of what is the neighbor. All right, my neighbor is someone within my reach and in need of help. The Samaritan saw this man within his reach and he was in need of help. And so he extended help to the person. Do we do that when we see people in need of help? And um, we just extend the help to the person at a time of need. He's our closest neighbor. He needs help. Today, maybe sitting in the congregation here, maybe some people who need help as well. Okay, so this gives us an idea about the need to love God. Right? And so, and how we love Him. Right? I mentioned earlier that love cannot be contained, it must be shared. It must be shared because God did that for us. And why we are created is He shared His love with us. God loved us and He put us as a community. 
Now, in the context of, of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it was a community among the Israel. So I'm going to use this as a church. We are brought together by the Holy Spirit in one body, the church. And we love God, and the first closest people that we need to is to love one another right in this place. Right? And so, the church is our immediate community. Someone may be sitting next to us every Sunday. We just come in and enjoy a service, or you come in and say, God, I do not know this brother, or I do not know this sister, I do not know what they're going through. But just whisper a prayer and say, God, would you bless them? All right? If there's something that the person may be struggling, God, may you use me to be a blessing or help this person. And I think we come as community wanting to care one for another. If someone who is within your reach is what's in need, he's your neighbor. All right? So we can extend our help to them. Then, of course, the next closest people that we have is our family. I'm so glad to see children. You know, one of the two greatest joys to see children playing and singing and dancing. And oh, wow, it just gives you a lot of energy and life. Or right, I'm 70 years old and I see children. I was just get excited, you know, give me the energy. All right. Yeah. Sometimes we, we thought we want to be cute again like them, right? <laughs> Pastor Ruel was saying, all right. So, you know, just the energy of seeing them, so lovely. And seeing parents bring children, even to the children's church and to grow together in the church. And so the Bible also taught us that the next closest, I mean, the closest people are our family, our immediate family members. You notice that they, when in Moses, you know, in this passage itself, he mentioned about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised them. It reminds them that their whole community of, you know, relatives together. And in this whole community, as Israel, they have their own family. And we need to take care of our family as well. We need to love our family. Now, in the back of our mind, many times, how do we love our family? You see, when we love God, we love people. All right? How do we love our family? In Deuteronomy 6, 6, he says that, you know, um, whatever I command, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You must keep it in your heart. You must, you know, keep the word in your heart. All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing, he went on to tell them that they need to teach them to the children and they shall talk of them, the word, when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, I don't know about you, when, I, in, when my kids are younger, um, it's very easy for me to gather them and uh, have a family altar time, sing together. You know, when I remember when my elder son was still probably about two years old, I, the time we have these pampers boxes, and I cut them, I make it to a small pulpit, and I say, okay, Elvin, you stand here and lead song. <laughs> and then we gather together, my wife and I would sit there, and my little baby boy was, you know, later on in the later part when I heard the second one, would sit around, and then we would let him lead song, you know. And so it's quite fun to do that. But when they grew up, when they go to polytechnic, when they start secondary school, the activities change and I get very frustrated. I say, can we gather together? <laughs> no, Dad, I got to finish this. All right, and so it's not easy. But along the way, I learned something from this verse. Talk to them. Teach them. And when you walk with them. And so I have to find opportunity sometimes to impart the Word of God to their lives. 
And so I've been doing that. You know, sometimes we may not have a devotion that the way I would like to, but then I don't want to upset myself. Find more creative way of doing it. Talk to them. And uh, you know, my my for example, my eldest son, he was doing very well at the age of nineteen. He was being featured in Business Time, and uh, they have a long interview with him. You know, because he was talking about investments and all this, and uh, they were quite amazed. You know, he was like one of the. In fact, he was he won a Young Entrepreneur Award at one time, and so he was doing so well. And they, one day, I talked to him, and he told me, "This is that." You know why I'm doing all this? I work very hard because I don't want to be poor like you. <laughs> Then I said to him, "He said I saw you growing up. You know, when I growing up, I you know, my brother and I we have to wear broken shoe to church. I mean to school. You know, the white shoe." And every year, my wife and I wait for our church camp to go to Malaysia, and we buy bata shoe. It's a cheaper school shoe there. And then, all right, so we'll buy two pair, one for him and one, and we'll last there for one year. Or, you know, next year then we buy another pair. We just can't afford even to do more for him. And he told me that he said, "I don't want to be poor. That's why I work very hard, and that's why I'm doing well." And right now, I was praying. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, always be prayerful. And I turned to him. I said, "Elvin, do you know one thing? God make me poor." To make you rich, wow! Then he suddenly, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, but there's one good thing about you. I says, you are not angry with God. You still love God, right? He said, yeah. You still pray, right? He said, yeah. So I say, is it God make me poor, and to draw out your potential, to draw what you have? If you are so comfortable, you may not even see the potential in yourself, right? So he agreed. Right, so you take opportunity, to turn it, and say, "Do you see what God is doing, right, for you?" So that's one way. And my one, and he was growing up. He was, you know, one time I was walking with him. I used to train my boys because I'm my my children uh, prepare them for national service, and they can't run very well. So I always come on, let's run. And I used to run a lot, so I ran with him one day. And then we were walking uh, after the run. We were walking, and then we were talking. And then he turned to me, between him and me, two of us. He said, "Dad, can I have a man-to-man talk with you?" So I was praying in my heart, say, "What is this coming up now?" <laughs> right? And so he asked me a simple question. He said, "Dad, do you face temptation?" I said, "Oh, yes, I do." All right, but I said, "Temptation is not a sin, but it's how do you manage temptation?" So as on the way, I began to talk to him about managing temptations from the scriptures, how Jesus overcome temptations. So you see, those are teaching moments. Every moment that you have that. And you take those moments to impart to your children, because they have life issue to travel to to talk about. All right. So when Pastor、uh, Roel was talking with me, we were walking at the shopping center just a couple of weeks ago, and、uh, he had a lot of questions to ask me. So we were not shopping. You know, we were, both of us was talking about ministry. <laughs> you know, and so encouraging one another. I felt so blessed. You know, having a chat with、uh, Pastor Roel as well. So in in a way, I, I enjoy doing this. Sometimes we learn. By talking, and that's why he says, even when you walk by the way, all right, talk about God, make it become part of you, all right. So, then he mentioned that we need to do this. He says that hang it in the wrist, hang it between the frontlets between your eyes, and then write it on the doorpost, all right. In 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 fact, in Israel, they literally did this, all right. The the Jew actually the Orthodox they will actually mind the. You know this this palette,、uh, the the scriptures. You know in their hands, they will hang it on their forehead, and then they will write it. In fact, some of the hotels, if you go to Israel, they have a little scroll that actually they tied it to the door. 
All right. So it becomes very symbolic. But what actually God is saying to them? They say literally doing this. But I believe, because he says, if you read carefully, he says that it is a reminder, some translation, NLT say, serve as a reminder to you. All right. So when you wear on the wrist, what does it remind you? When you ever things that you do. All right. I've always remembered, as what Paul says to the church in Colossae and in Ephesians. He says that, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That, that is worship, isn't it? When you serve, it's worship to God. I do it heartily, wholeheartedly for God. While I'm serving someone, I'm doing it for God. All right? So people who see, they see God in the way you're serving. Now we think sometimes can be humorous. I'm a pastor and I was helping my senior pastor many years ago as an administrator. You know, administrator job is the toughest because every Sunday I just want to make sure nobody complains. All right. You know, Singaporeans like to complain. So I will just make sure I walk the church around and make sure everything is in order. All right. There are times that the, the cross didn't, you know, somebody shift the pulpit and it just tilt. I have to make sure that it's straight, right? And so I will just make sure everything is in order. So I was very stressed. And one morning, a, a, a lady walked past me and says it to me in Mandarin, she says, What is saying? Say, Pastor Chia, how come there's no joy in her face? You know, my mind was thinking of a hundred things and then this lady tell me we have no joy. All right. And uh, so just before I go into the service, the, the first service was Chinese, uh, before I go into the English-speaking service, I went to the prayer room to pray and that thought came to me. If I have no joy in serving God, when people walk into the church, I have enough problem for myself. Why do I come to the church when the pastor have no joy? It's going to add more problem to me, isn't it? And I told the Lord that day, I said, God, you know, teach me what I do. So I told my admin staff, I said, from today onward, nobody direct to me on admin matters on Sunday. Sunday, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Take down. I give them a notebook. Those days, no, no, no iPad. So I give them a notebook. I say, write down and Tuesday, tell me what the things I need to do. All right, so I always tell them, go, go to them. And, I, and after that, I found joy in serving. All right, yeah. And there's so much energy. I don't have to worry about so many things. I commit to God. And so what does it say? When you serve, serve, you know, with the understanding, with the, you know, remind you from the Word. The way you serve, serve, you know, with the understanding from the Word. And why do you put it between your eyes? The Bible says your eyes is the light into your whole being. Whatever go into your eyes, get to your mind, your heart. And what, you know, if you as a filter, if you wear a sunglass to filter away from UV, now this Word of God is like that you, you know, that the... Uh, Anti-UV, you know, glasses that filter away the, 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 you know, whatever is damaging to your eyes and to your whole being. All right? And so it's very important. And why on the doorposts and the gates? You see, when you walk out of the house, if the scriptures is right there, it reminds you when you walk out, I'm going to practice what the Word of God. When I come back, I walk into my home, after a very terrible day, you know, stress and come back, the scriptures remind me that I need to leave out this commandment. So I go back, I leave out my, the scriptures in my family. You'll see less shouting and all the love will come in, all right? Now, the other thing is that why did he say teach them to your children? You know, oftentimes it comes to our mind is that the first thing we all are working here in Singapore because you want to provide, you know, for your family. Because you want to do well so that you can bring something for your family. No, this is common to every one of us. But the Bible then says, first thing is to meet all their physical needs, provide for them. 
It says, teach the law to your children. If you love them, it's not just providing them the physical need, but it's to teach them the Word of God. It's to show them how you walk the Word of God, how you live the Word of God. And I think that's what it means. We're going in and out of your house. You carry along the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Amen. The fire alarm has been activated in the building. We are investigating the situation. Please remain calm and stand by near the speakers for further yeah. announcement. Thank yeah. you. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I didn't know that I'm so fiery. <laughs> the fire alarm has been activated yeah. in the building. We okay. are So, the message is so powerful. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. Oh, praise God. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I'm preaching such a fiery message that triggered the alarm, right? <laughs> okay, well, and so, you know, we, we need to practice the Word of God. We need to live out the Word of God. And um, so in our home, out of our home, we need to do that. All right, so I was just sharing with you this uh, last, yesterday morning, you know, our church, we we're doing a lot of community linking up with the people. And one of the uh, member who is a caterer, and uh, she actually donated a spread of grocery, fresh vegetables, eggs, and bread. And I went there in the morning, you know, I was just amazed. And, and there were people queuing up to come and collect all this. All right, and I was there, pray for them, pray for all the volunteers, encouraging them and thank them for serving. And then the elderly start queuing up from NTUC to know where the place is. They were queuing up and they're walking in with their trolley, picking up the staff. And uh, actually, I wanted to send you the video, but it keep rejecting. It's too large, too large, so I couldn't send. So the thing is, it was, it was a tremendous time. And I was thanking the person who donated the grocery. It was really an, an overflowing Every one of them have an overflow bag. We have to give them back to collect back. You're so generous. I say, you're so generous. You say, I always wanted to be a blessing to the community. And she did that. Personally came to, to see everything went well. And one of my pastors came to me. I say, thank you, you know, all of you for organizing this. And he says, in Mandarin, he says that, you know, some of the elderly thanking us and were crying. I say, wow. You know, they've never received so many things in their life, you know. I was like, well, really thank God, you know, for the way we are able to touch the life of the community. So one of the things in your love, the community, all right, is to show love to them. In our church, we have done quite a number of things to the community. In fact, just after the COVID, one of my staff, former staff came to me and said, Pastor, do you think it's okay? We, we help them to change, you know, the lights in their home to LED light. And I say, why not, you know, go ahead. And they started doing LED light. They went to the house and uh, just to replace all this old light and give them a new LED light. And one day they called me and said, there's this man, the whole box, you know, this realty box was damaged and uh, can we change? I says, how much does it cost? You know, and can Brother Jack, who is one of our, he's a retired engineer, but he still has an electrician certificate. And so he says, well, he can do it. And says, just go ahead and do it. You know, at the end of the day, we have a couple of people who came to know Christ just by doing that for them. You know, and now 
staff was asking me, they, you know, that time when he was saying to me about changing the light, you know, I was just jokingly, I said, well, we are called to be the light, better lights, or better lights. So we are called to be the light, so let's shine every house. So we did about 140 homes already, and uh, still people calling sometimes, and we'll go and do it for them. And this gives us the opportunity to reach out to them. And in fact, several of them actually came to our Saturday evening services. All right. So that's how we continue to engage them, loving them, showing kindness to them. You know, there's something about the family that I wanted to talk about. You know, in 2015, uh, after the release of the, informa- uh, the census result, you notice one of the very interesting things is that there was the, all the other religions actually dropped by a certain percentage of point something. But Christianity went up by 0.5. But on the other hand, what really caught my eyes was the next one, no religion, from 17 to 18.5. That means 1.5. So Christianity grew by 0.5. This other group, 1.5. So statistically, you know that it's going to, if you continue that trend, they overshot us. All right? It's already neck to neck. Now, then the, the next slide shows about the age, and this is where I'm very interested. You notice that the 15 to 24 years old, 23% are no religion. 25 to 34, 22.4% no religion. In other words, if added up, it's 45.4%, close to 50%, no religion, and they are young people. Our government classified youth are those who are 12, 12 to 35. Right? All right, I don't know why 35 is still youth. All right? My time, when I'm 25, Five, I got married, <laughs> and then we are thinking about having children and taking care of ourselves. Okay, so if you look at this, it's troubling because the, the young group are saying that we don't need religion, we don't need God. And there's something that the, there were some interviews, just to cut it short, and uh, one of the, ex- or the report, it says, now the experts said the relative stability of a country also means there is no need to cause concern or there is less concern about the future because the present is non-threatening. All right. So what he's saying is because the new generation feel that everything is taken care of, there's no threat. So there's no threat, we're happy, there's no need for religion, there's no need for God. Now, this is not something new. In fact, in Deuteronomy, if you read through six, chapter 6, verse 10 to 19, what did Moses Remind them. He says that God bring you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you and the great and good cities that you did not build. And all the blessing, all the blessing. And in verse 12, He says, Then, take care lest you forget God. You see, with all the blessing you're going to receive, take care, be careful, lest you forget God. You see, with many blessings, sometimes we forget who God is. And the new generations, because so much provision for them, that the tendency of forgetting God and saying we don't need God. And this is where the need, earlier I mentioned, about teaching our children, talking to them, and also all right, to walk with them, show them how to live the life of a Christian. I just want to share with you this thought. Sorry, before this. Now, besides this statistics itself. Your attention, please. We have investigated the fire alarm activation and are pleased to 
for concern. We apologize for any inconvenience caused. Thank you. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your attention okay. please. We have investigated the fire alarm activation and are pleased to advise it is a false alarm and no cause for concern. We apologize for any inconvenience caused. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So let's come back to our <laughs> message. You know, besides this, the statistics I've read, I was with a group of pastors at one time. In a, uh, they group us pastors together in this uh, one of the MSF. You know, they they have this focus group discussions. So we are talking about you know how to strengthen families. And so in all the discussion, one of the pastors actually shared something quite uh, for us to really put some thought on this. He said he was preaching in a church camp for a church. And so they were having a dialogue. And so he sit in the dialogue. He's not involved, but he sit in just to listen. And they were talking about the LGBT issues. And they were talking. And there was this long deliberation. Everybody was just contributing. And suddenly one youth stood up. And he says, we are taking the whole time talking about all these issues. Is there one family that can show us, young people, how to live and you know, that we can model after? And there was a hushed silence. What is important is not that I come to church, but do I live my faith in my home? Do I show my children the way, what it's like? Is it to love God? Is to obey, know Him? Serve Him. As I mentioned, fear Him. Jesus said that if you know me, you know the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. In my home, do I live a life? In the street, do I live the same way that I'm living? To point people to God. If we love God, we need to do it. So it comes naturally. So loving our church and the community itself, I, I can't show you everybody in the church, but in the family, for example, that's my granddaughter, 21 months. When she was kneeling down one day, sitting on the chair praying, my daughter-in-law captured, that was 19 months, I think. And she was praying, because every time she was just mumbling, and she was mumbling, you know, don't know what she was talking about, then grandpa, grandma, papa, mama, and then thought, thought, then it's amen. Then I was like, wow, she was praying. <laughs> so, and my, my daughter-in-law is capturing this. All right, and so I, so I was very amazed. All right, and, and you know, Whenever she comes from baby, I was just, sometimes I help to feed her and I just enjoy doing that. I know uh, Brother Lloyd will agree, right? Feeding your grandchild is such a fun thing. And one of the things I do normally, my wife and I, we will sing and we'll sing, you know, some of this, Jill Love Me, this I know. And we'll sing some of the old hymns, our favorite hymns. Anyway, she wouldn't reject the hymns, right? She'll learn. And then one of the things sometimes I did was I'd recite the scriptures, Psalms 23. I'll recite Psalms 1. You know, just recite, you know, the scriptures, uh, the Lord's Prayer. You know, I'll do that. And, um, whenever she, and when she grew up, then she's able to run. And uh, she'll run to me each time and I hug her. My wife will know the first thing I do, I hug her. She'll lean on me and I'll recite the Aaron, non Aaronic blessing upon her. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Then she will say amen to me, all right? And so every time she sees me, she'll run to me and do that. And uh, before meals, my son will always say, come, let's pray together, all right? And uh, he will be the one leading, not me, because the father must show the example, all right? So, yeah, 
And so the, the other side of it is our, my, the team of us that we have been serving together. Every year we'll go for a meal together. I'll buy them a, a lunch every year and you know, just appreciate them. We are all one team. We need one another. It's not just about working. And, yeah, so there's a, a lot of mutual respect. You can talk to any of my staff how I treat them. There's always a respect, love, and care for one another. I think that's a very important part working as a team. And some of them left. They're still very close with me as well. All right, of course, some left. They're not too close with me as well. Okay, so I'm not just telling you anything to make you happy that, you know, all the good side of it. But there are always extended comes to them and say we're still friends. All right, even if you leave. All right, so we keep that as a love. Our family and our church is, itself is very important for us. I'm going to highlight this before I finish this. You see, why is it important? When Jesus was facing temptation, Remember I mentioned earlier, he says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. So by obeying what the Father commanded him, the world will know that he loved the Father. So by doing what the Word of God commanded us, it shows us that we love God. All right? Yeah. So this is a very important part. Now, when Jesus was tempted, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the very first temptation, he says, since you are the Son of God, Turn this stone into bread. Now, why did Satan do that at the most? Because Jesus' most vulnerable moment, when he fasted for 40 days, can you imagine him go out without food for one week? What is the first thing you're looking for? Food. Singaporean, when you travel, even you know, overseas to the West, you enjoy all the good food coming back. You say, I miss Singapore food. All right, Singapore Airport, very smart. Jewel, they have all the Singapore food there. First thing you go to Jewel, Right, you know, you can go and have your, yeah, all the Singaporeans' uh, food fair is there, you know, you can just enjoy it. And so the first thing is that at the most vulnerable, if someone has not eaten, he tested him. But what did Jesus say to him? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was quoting from, from actually from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Now, we often think that we provide for all the physical needs. Then we forget the important thing. What about our children in our home? All the physical things we give to them. But don't forget the most important thing by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You must impart to them, leave it out for them, to show them how to moderate that God is real. Because you love God, you do that. The second thing is that he was tempted. All right, when he was put up to the pinnacle of the temple, and uh, again, it's a very vulnerable position. You see, if the Son of God jumped down, and the angels will come, and he will lift you up, so that your foot will not dash on the feet. Quoting from Psalms. And this time round, this uh, Satan quotes the scriptures. All right, for it is written, all right, that the angel of God is going to hold you up, that your foot will not strike the ground or injure yourself. But then what this Jesus answered, Thou shalt not test the Lord your God. It was taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. All right. When the children of Israel tested God at a place called Massa, because they complained there was no water. Right. You mean God can't provide for you? Why are you murmuring, complaining? Right. But God did provide for them and show them. Matthew 4, verse 10. The next thing, Satan showed the whole world and said, if you bow down and worship me, I'm going to give you everything. Now what was a temptation? Why do I suffer so much? I have to work so hard in order to climb up to be the CEO of the company. Why do I have to work so hard? 
And now if I go through this, bow down to Satan, I'm going to be blessed. Why do I have to go to the cross if I just bow down and take the whole world? Jesus didn't take the shortcut. He didn't take the easy way. And he turned to Satan. In fact, he was citing in the context of chapter 6, verse 13. That you shall not worship any other God except the Lord our God. In the context, because there's only one God that we worship and we serve. Alright, so, Jesus overcome Satan by the Word of God. So the Word of God is important. When we love God, we will want to obey His Word. We need the Word of God to help us overcome the devil. We, with the Holy Spirit, you know, He will enable us. When we study the Word, He will help us to bring to our remembrance as what Jesus told us. So at moments sometimes, when you do not read the Word, when you're faced with challenges, when you have to make decisions, how are you going to do it? Then you panic. You pray. You say, God, not answering me. But have you been studying the Word? Have you allowed the Word of God to sink deep into you? That your Word, you know, as what um, the psalmist says, all right, that the, the Word have I hide in my heart that I will not sin against you. We need the Word of God. I'm going to end with this three Hebrew young men, the story. This is one of my favorite stories because it ministered to me. If you remember that King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden statue and he says when the trumpet sound, when the music play, everyone, when you hear that, bow down and worship the golden statue. And there were three young men, Hebrew young men, who refused to do so. And so, they were being arrested, they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, being kind to them, said that, you just do that, alright, and I don't have to throw it into the furnace. But the three young men replied, and they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, and what he says, he says that, he says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, we no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning furry furnace. He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Even if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve the gods or to worship the golden image that you have set up. The three things that he mentioned here, our God is able to deliver us. Do you believe that? I believe. Our God will deliver us. Do you believe that? I believe. Even if he does not, you don't like this. Alright, we pray and say, we never say, God, even if we don't, I will still worship you. Anyone pray like this? We can't take the third thing. But here was three young guys who told the king, even if our God doesn't step in to rescue us, we will still not bow down to the gods. That's what it means. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Even if God do not. He said, even if God do not, He has a greater plan. Because we know that all things work together for good. But did God rescue them? He did. In fact, the amazing story is this. You know, the, the soldiers who stopped, then, then King Nebuchadnezzar was so angry, he made the fire even hotter. Even the soldiers got near to throw them, the soldier was consumed and died because of the heat. But the three Hebrew boys was in the furnace. The rope was burnt away. The clothing was unburnt, not burnt at all. And then they saw the fourth person there, the Son of Man, 
And I believe the Lord Jesus Christ was right there with them, kept them through. And the king recognized that the, the, the God of, <clears throat> of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the true God. You see, when you love God and you dare to stand your ground, even God do not answer that prayer, you still hold on and say, I believe my God. So they know the one and only God. They love the one and only God and they serve the one and only God. I'm going to show you this picture. Recently, I went to Baguio for, to the campus for the board meeting because I represent the Assemblies of God in the ABTS board. When we were there, uh, I, I reached there on the 27th. In fact, I wrote an email to tell them there was a change in my flight. All right? And so when I was there, we came out of the airport. There was no vehicle to fetch us. So I thank God for iPhone and all this. So I immediately uh, called Sister Illinois. I think many of you know Sister Illinois. All right? And she, she checked it out. She said, sorry, Pastor. We thought it was 7 o'clock. We didn't change. You know, the driver will come tonight at 7 p.m. I was there in the morning, 9 a.m. I was there. So I said, no, I, I don't think I need to wait. And Reverend Tamwan, who is the president, heard our conversation, took the phone and told me, he says, don't worry, just take a cab now. All right, and we'll take care of that. And uh, so, so the next problem I have is I went out to the airport. I talked to the cab driver and he couldn't speak uh, English. All right, so... I called again to Illinois and said, you, you explained to the driver. And so he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. He, he, very easy. He said, yeah, I know how to get to Baguio. Of course. All right, so, and, uh, and she negotiated the, the taxi fare and all that. And so we hopped into this taxi, three and, almost three hours, two, and, uh, two hours, 45 minutes to reach Baguio. So he, he drove us up. All right, fantastic driver, you know. He's able to go very fast and, you know, cut through all the lanes. And I was still very cool, and I was trying to strike a conversation with him because two and a half hours, almost three hours, just don't sit there and then he drive. I was just trying to talk to him. Then he just tell me, oh, no problem. It's just very simple. And then he's trying to avoid conversations. And, and so there was only one time that we stopped by for a comfort room. All right, so uh, Singaporean will not know comfort room. So, so we stopped by a comfort room, and uh, so I have a chat with him. I says, uh, how long have you been driving? You know, I was trying to find ways. He said, they think for a while. He said, I'm driving for 18 years. And so I, I start talking to him. I say, oh, yeah, you know, you must be a very uh, responsible family man and you take care of family, you drive, you know. And so I, I didn't, you know, I just talked to him and he was, he just smiled to me. And after that, he drove me to Baguio and he can reach Baguio. But now, how to get to the school, right? So I told him there's a circle there, you know, it's, you know and then there will be a sign to Ambrukau Road. And then he went to a circle, but it's not the, the circle, all right, not the Pakal circle. So, then he, walked, he, he asked people around, and I was sitting there praying. I said, God, you must show me. And then call again. Illinois, can you help to explain? All right? Actually, we were very close by. We just missed by one road. All right? And so after the explanation, he drove, he got to Baguio, to the campus. Illinois was waiting for us, and uh, we came down. She said, never mind, leave your bag. We invited the taxi driver, his name is Ray, together have lunch with us. All right, so we are having lunch, and... Uh, Ray was looking around when they were preparing the lunch and he said, this is a very nice place. You know, I said, yeah, you know, this place, you have not been to the campus, it's close to heaven. All right, so, yeah, and so it was a very nice place. He was looking around and next thing, uh, 
we are having next, we sit down and have a lunch. And so Eleanor introduced and said, oh, he's a pastor from Singapore. And then he started talking to her, I don't understand, in Tagalog. And so Eleanor explained to me and said, oh, he says that, uh, oh, no wonder you're very different. All right, you're very calm, very peaceful man in the car. Of course, maybe, you know, someone who get, get to bug you after three hours and don't know where you're going. All right, they probably, they got to scold him or something. So uh, in my heart, I was just praying and, you know, trying to strike a conversation with him. And so in the course of that, Illinois, you know, if you know her, oh, she starts sharing the gospel with this man. And uh, he received Christ. All right. And the next thing was, we, we you know, asked him if there's any need and he started pouring out his heart. And he, because along the way, when I was talking to him, he said that he has a daughter who works overseas. All right. So, but now he tells us a bit more. This daughter is working overseas. He's very concerned for his family. And when he was talking, he started weeping. You know, this guy, you know, tough guy, right? You know, taxi drivers in the Philippines are tough guy. He started weeping. And uh, I was just wondering what happened. And Illinois explained, you know, she interpreted. And he says, he's very concerned for the son who is a drug addict, right? And so he was crying. And so we, we said, can we pray for you at the end? So we prayed with him. You know, at the end of that, she walked out of the place with joy. And Illinois, fantastic lady, she called her friend and took the, gave the contact to this, uh, raised contact to the friend who is a pastor, a friend who is a pastor. The next day when I met with Eleanor, I said, how is the Ray now? He said, my friend is connecting with him. They are going to bring him to church. All right, so it's a very exciting thing. So what happened was, from a wrong timing, right, becomes God's moment. You see, sometimes we may think that human mistake, but it was God's opportune time to bring the gospel for someone. All right. So I just want to share with us that the way you live, even to a taxi driver, he look at me and say, he's cool and, you know, he's calm and peaceful. If I were to be, let's say, very angry at that day, how can you drive me wrong place? Then by Illinois say, this is pastor from Singapore. <laughs> how are you going to minister to people? All right. He will say, forget it. You know. But I want to say this, that we live out the faith that we believe. God gave us a commandment. Leave it in the community that we are living together as a church. Leave it in your home and leave it as you reach out to the community around you. People will see God through you. Let us pray. Let's just pause for a moment and just let the Word of God just sing into our heart this morning. And you know, all of us, we can really say that we love God. The way we sang, you sang with your whole heart. I can see there's so much energy that you pour into your worship. And I believe seeing the children around dancing and, and reciting scriptures, it just tell me that you love your children. You teach them the word. You talk with them. You walk with them. But to some of us here, perhaps you say, my family is overseas. What can I do? You can pray for them. You find every opportunity, FaceTime them, see face to face, and always do one thing. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. That will strengthen their faith. Because when you live that life, you are able to do it. Even for your children, for your family, or people around you. 
And so with this, I want to pray with you this morning that God will bless you, that you are truly the living word in fellowship in this place. Our oh, Father, I want to thank you today for 26 years. Not only you show your greatness, but your faithfulness. I thank you for many of these members who are faithfully attending the service here. And for those who have been here for 26 years, those who have been here 25, 15, 10, 5 years, those who are new even today, Lord, I pray that your presence is right here. The way the members love you, let it be overflowing out of their life to people around them and go beyond this church to the community and their family, their relative, friends and the bosses and people they are working for. Lord, I pray that love will overflow. Lord, for those, O oh God, who are serving here and they're going through pain, they're going through, O oh God, difficult times. At times, they've even asked themselves, why am I in this world? But this morning, you remind them that we are created out of love and for love, that God loves you. The world may not know how to love us. Some of you, your parents do not know how to love you. But our Father, God, loves you. And that's why you're in this world. And He wants us to love Him the way He loved us. And Jesus said that He loved God and He obeyed God's command. And He's saying that to us. Lord, I pray that you help us, that we love you, that we obey your word. Lord, there are times we know it's not easy to, to do what you want us to do. But, oh God, you are able to give us the wisdom and strength and the ability to live out your word. And I pray, Father, for this whole community of brothers and sisters, that they will continue to be the living word for you. That people will see Christ through them. That they can truly after is what Jesus said. If you see me, you see the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. That we can truly say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. If you know me, you know Jesus. So help us, O oh God, to live a life that will point people to you. That will create opportunity for us to share with others. And I pray for every family represented. Even their family may be in the Philippines. Or some of them, the husband may be working in another country or the wife working in another country. Father, I ask for your blessing upon them that in their prayer, O oh God, you continue to connect them. In their prayer, O oh God, you make them strong. In their prayer, O oh God, that you care for their family. Father, I pray, grant them the wisdom so that the word of God be translated through their life, even to their families. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word today. And I pray for your blessing for this church, the living word. Lord, you are God Almighty. You're going to give them another great 26 years of your goodness, your mercy that will follow them all the days of their lives, oh God. And Father, I pray that faith you begun in every of their life will continue to pass on to their generations to come to their, until Jesus, when you return, you'll find them faithful serving the great and almighty God. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pass away.
you, Pastor Chia. Let's all stand. I believe many of us have been blessed of this the word reminding us to love God, love the church, love the family, and love the community. Just turn to the person that beside you and tell that person, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. We're going to end with a song and we're going to thank the Lord for and leave His holy name in this place. I remember there's a lot of stories. There's one sister, uh, you know, testimonies after testimony. One sister in Orchard Road and suddenly a sister approached that sister and said, would you want to join us in church? And that person uh, here now changed life. The challenge for us, Living Word Fellowship, is to be the living word out there. Amen. Let's give the Lord our clap, clap offering. Great is the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him. Great is the Lord. Hallelujah. Great. Oh.